scumbags! Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Let's roll. Level two begins now, now, now. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Brunson, the pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, and everybody else in between throwing it down as the Los Angeles Dodgers are throwing San Diego down uh, right now. San Diego uh, showed some spirit and an emotional and a passionate baseball game. And we'll get into this in level two. But to me, I don't know, man. Baseball without fans is like really working for me. <laughs> like, it's like the games are more intense. Baseball's already an intense sport, you know what I mean? But, like, you can hear the players, like, talking smack to each other. They don't have, like, the fake noise and stuff. I hate that fake noise in football. I, and I, You know what's even stupider? When you hear the announcers talking about how there's no fans, but you hear the crowd. It's like, guys, like, maybe you shouldn't talk about how there's no fans, considering you have, like, a blaring crowd uh, going on behind you. Uh, but it was an intense uh, baseball game, man. Listen, anytime a Machado's there... Um, and uh, Cody Bellinger steps up big. Cody Bellinger goes deep at a big time. Cody Bellinger saves a home run, and what's going to go down is uh, one of the uh, the cooler postseason uh, baseball catches, especially if the Los Angeles Dodgers are able to win the first World Series in 32 years. But I'll tell you what, San Diego's got a damn good baseball team, and this team's going to be uh, this team's going to be a load to deal with for years to come. The Los Angeles Dodgers better take care of business because San Diego's coming for you. I'll tell you what, but the Los Angeles Dodgers are coming for the World Series uh, right now, and I think they're on a collision course with the Tampa Bay Rays, a Rays team uh, who are now up two games uh, to one. But this is volatile, and it's fragile, and they're only five-game series. Is So Tampa Bay better take care of business. Otherwise, you know who's waiting for them, GC, Garrett Cole. All right, and you don't want to face Garrett Cole in a game five if you're Tampa. You've got to take care of business uh, in game four. Uh, Houston were unable to take care of business today and finish off the Oakland Athletics. It feels inevitable, but we've got a series on our hand uh, right now. Uh, as the Oakland Athletics put up a, a nine spot up on the board, and the Atlanta Braves are one win away from the National League Championship Series, and we've been focused on in on the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, so much. But I'll tell you what, the Atlanta Braves can play baseball too. Do they have the pitching once we get into a seven-game series? I'm not so sure about that. And two games, two best two of threes, three of fives, four of sevens. Got it all. Ian Cameron steps back up and in Earl Skate. I'll bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage it up. Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. My name's Bobby and I am an addict. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Bye, Bobby. You know, you folks aren't here because you're gamblers. You are here because you are terrible gamblers. Okay, Bobby. These folks don't need to stop doing what they're doing. They just need to get better at it. Sports Rage Late Night continues. Bring it. People are chat talking about um, Derek Carr was yelling Rihanna, Rihanna uh, the other uh, other, uh, day against the Buffalo Bills. And, of course, you know, Peyton Manning had the Omaha, and 
so Derek Carr, I don't know, Derek Carr evidently uses women's names all the time because he freaked Gruden out. He used Gruden's wife's name, which I'm sure like Gruden wasn't probably too happy about. Gruden doesn't seem to be the type of guy, Babano, that would like be like, oh, yeah, I use my wife's name as a play call. But because um, everyone was like, wow, he just used Gruden's wife as a play call. Yet it turns out he used his players, girlfriends and guys on the team like he has fun with it. And uh, so to Rihanna, but what was interesting is Adam Archuleta does a pretty good job as an analyst. He was a smart guy, Purdue guy too, smart football player, smart guy. And um, the Rihanna, and right away he figured out and he said, I think this means run right. <laughs> and he was he was correct. <laughs> like he called it the battle, run right, Rihanna. So it's funny, like yeah, totally NFL re- defenses, they pick it up fast, this stuff, man. Like they'll like, People just think, oh, they'll never know what they mean when they say Rihanna. It's like, well, the linebacker hears it too, right? The, the guys on the line hear it. And then they, don't forget, they have codes and they know their team has this type of stuff. So it's like, all right, Rihanna, run right. You know, and it's it just kind of makes sense, right? When you do, do the math and you think about it after, it's like, yeah, they're running right. Rihanna, Rihanna means, it means a sweep to the right. And Archuleta was correct about it. So it's it's interesting. I love those cue cards, the below Babano, because it works for kids, right? You can't be telling these college kids nowadays. 72, 44, slant. Like you can't start busting stuff yeah. out at these guys. I love like just the get, simple the, the, the cue brain cards. gets fried. Hundred yeah, percent. Big, big, Absolutely big picture true. of yeah, Britney Spears. Big picture of Britney Spears, yep. Beyonce, Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin, you know what I mean? you know, whatever, you know, movie yeah. <laughs> Leo DiCaprio. Leo DiCaprio means we're going deep here. Let's go. We're going for it all. Money, money. Right? Like they have, <laughs> yeah. like they're able to correlate it with it. You know what I mean? Like, all right, Beyonce's hot. This yep. is the hot replay, guys. So when you see Beyonce, we want you to go to the left side of the field. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And the kids will remember this stuff, Babano. You know what's crazy? Uh, most colleges now, Babano, like there's no more playbooks anymore. It's all like Madden. It's video game in video game format. Like they have it customized. Yeah, and the kids all grew up and, playing the video and game. Heads of, of people. Yeah, it's yeah. easy. It's a lot easier. Oh, it absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely is. Adam Archuleta is going to uh, is giving Tony Romo a run for his money, uh, knowing the play <laughs> as as it's being run. But that's a great point. It's all about memory retention. You know, for these players, especially at the college level, like you see it all the time. You got these big like images that you see, and they hold it up on the sideline, and that's basically telling the offense, "Yeah, this is the play we're going to run next." It's not not just communicating through the headset. It's giving them visual images, then they just attach the play to that image, and bam, they can think it. They, they, it's easier to remember, and they're able to execute it better. Babano, <laughs> you're exactly right, Babano. As we just stated. Um, Thank you for adding uh, adding that layer on top of the layer. All right, uh, Babano. So we've got a couple of minutes. We want lollygag in your words, all right? Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, Miami Miami and Clemson. My, Miami and Clemson. Um, big, big showdown. Miami Hurricanes off to a great start. They're 3-0 straight up. They're 3-0 against the spread. The Eric King's been getting it done for them. They're, they're putting up 43 points a game. And they played real teams. They played a real schedule. Uh, they're only giving up 12 points a game. Meanwhile, Clemson have kind of been sleepwalking through things. They're 0-3 against the spread, but they're laying 51 points and stuff like that. Like, they're laying, you know, 41, 51. They were laying like 52 and a half or something against Citadel. You know, they, they're laying a ton of points when they play. 
So Clemson step up with a real game right now, and we'll see if Miami are ready for this, uh, if they're ready for this stage uh, yet, getting 14 and a half points. Uh, who do you like, Babeno? Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to bet Miami for something. Uh, I like the problem with Clemson is Clemson's not looked all that impressive. They're 0 three against the number to start this season, and I and they played Wake Forest, they played uh, Virginia last week, and you know they've looked sluggish a little bit on defense, even on offense. We've seen you know them have to settle for field goals a few times. Uh, Miami, you're right. They played a pretty good schedule. They beat a really good Louisville team. So I think Miami, UAB. I know it's a non-conference opponent, but UAB is a solid team this year. Uh, under Bill Clark. So I think Miami's played a decent schedule. Is Miami's defense ready for Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson offense? That's the question mark because they're going to be tested here. And I know Louisville offensively gave them some trouble. And are they going to be able to score on Clemson's defense? Clemson's defense is hands down going to be the best defense that Derek King and this offense has faced. Clemson's had an issue with dual threat quarterbacks at times, though. You've seen the mobile quarterbacks have that ability to make plays and move the football, and De'Ara King's got that ability. So I get, that's what I, I have to sense that this could be a 10 to 14 point type of win for Clemson. I think it'll be close to the number, but I'd, I'd take Miami. If you can get above two touchdowns, I would look in that direction. I don't want to lay more than that with Clemson. Uh, all right, Babano. So uh, what about the pro game uh, tomorrow? Point spreads down to three and a half right now. A lot of uncertainty about the Tampa Bay um, Tampa Bay injury situation, specifically on the offensive side of the football. But I almost find it similar to to uh, to Green Bay the other night, right? Oh my God, Green Bay! Devontae Adams is out. Lazard is out. They don't have anyone to throw the football to. What are they going to do? And then Aaron Rodgers ends up throwing for four touchdowns and you know five touchdowns, whatever the hell it was, and three hundred plus yards again, like he always does. And then you got you know Tom Brady, but they really are beat up. And it's it's crazy though. They've been doing this without Godwin. Godwin's been hurt. You know, Godwin's had bad luck. You know, he's he's had bad luck uh, this year from from the concussions to the injuries. Now I don't know. It's just it's bad luck for Godwin. Uh, but point spread down to three and a half. The Bears were terrible against the Colts. Their offense just couldn't get anything going. What do you make of this game, Babano? It's a it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, so early on, I was interested in Tampa Bay, even when it was five and a half. And now that it's down to three, three and a half, I'm, I am interested. But then you look at the Tampa injury report, and you mentioned it already. I mean, it's not just Godwin. O.J. Howard's out. Mike Evans is going to play, but he's less than 100% right now. Scotty Miller's got groin and hip injuries that he played through Sunday that I'm you not know, even sure it's 100% Evans earlier is playing. I'm not sure it's 100%. Exactly. And Scotty Miller, who's been a revelation. Yeah, and Brady and, and Bruce Arians have been raving about Scotty Miller going back to training camp. He's battling a couple of different injuries, hip and groin problems, and he's questionable for tomorrow. So this is a banged-up uh, offense right now. And say what you will about Chicago offensively, they were terrible against the Colts. Nick Foles not the answer, obviously, after benching Trubisky. That was a good Colts defense, though. But Chicago can still play defense, and if Tampa Bay is... And I actually saw a condensed game after the fact. Like, I saw much of the Charger-Tampa game, but I actually saw on Monday they'd had a condensed one-hour version of it. Tom Brady was really good in the comeback, but in that first half, he was awful, you know, including the pick six. He was missing throws he usually makes. If he has a half like that against Chicago, that's trouble. So, and I don't love the spot for Tampa. It's a short week, and you look at what they've done they lost to New Orleans on the road. The other road game was Denver with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, and he was brutal in that game. And Denver's not been all that great, and they've been injury-riddled. 
What's Tampa proven to be trustworthy as road chalk? Uh, I'm not sure. So I don't love the game. I'd lean Tampa, but I don't feel good about it. Well, he just sounded like it was more of a convincing case for the Chicago Bears, Babano. <laughs> the way, the way yeah, you're talking I, about the game. <laughs> with how bad Foles was. I, I don't know. Just, you're kind of all over the I'd place. I'd rather have to. You said you like Tampa at five and a half, the, but now it's three and a half and you don't like it, but then you do. But you kind of lean Tampa, but you think Tampa have big problems. I, I, so I, I'm, I don't know. Like, you've left us to, confused. Uh, you got they, 20 seconds, Babano. Give us another pick then, since everyone's confused on this. One NFL game. What are you looking at? Uh, he, uh, no, con- no confusion here. Atlanta cannot lay points. Not one little bit. Carolina will win that game outright. Love it. <laughs> Ian Cameron. Betting with Babano. Betting with Babano, or is it uh, oh, it's Ian Cameron's football frenzy as well? Ian Cameron's football frenzy. Check it out. YouTube. You can get him on uh, Twitter at uh, Babano and uh, elsewhere online. Always good, Ian Cameron. Thank you very much. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Sports Rage Late Night. Hey, Morenci, shout out to uh, all of our radio affiliates. I know we're, uh, we're kicking a lot of ass on the West Coast. We're getting a lot of love uh, from the Phoenix area on 1060, so shout out to 1060. Uh, we got the uh, the West Coast crew and, of course, the mightier 1090, San Diego, SoCal, Los Angeles, uh, all over the West Coast, all the way to Olympia, uh, Washington. And I believe people in British Columbia uh, are even picking up uh, the show, the 50,000-watt juggernaut. And um, speaking of uh, SoCal, uh, a SoCal staple, not only Eddie Van Halen, uh, but a, a SoCal staple, of course, is the man that joins us uh, right now inappropriate Earl, although we hope he's not too inappropriate. <laughs> but inappropriate Earl. <laughs> this uh, was like, you know, the old days of satellites, so we could let it rip. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> your amazing producer was like, watch the swearing, watch the swearing. <laughs> and I'm like, what, you know what it was? You know what it was? It was you you were like the later in the week or something. We had a we had a we had a rough week of like of guests and and callers swearing. And, and our our boy was no, uh, no, was about to snap. All, oh, good. I but still feel bad. A, like I called him like three times that night, going, "Hey, man, I'm sorry." And he was he was cool, but uh, you know, good, I, I know we're now to watch my P's and Q's. We're we're just we're just uh, we're just busting your balls, so. Uh, you know, listen, a lot, a lot of stuff I want to get to. I want to get into Eddie Van Halen being, you know, you, li- you live in L.A., you're a big metalhead, and you love that type of music. But, of course, um, it was the VP uh, debate tonight. But I think uh, Earl Earl thought it was like um, – Earl thought it was Kamala's greatest hits. He didn't realize it was a VP uh, presidential debate uh, tonight. He thought it was like wrestling. Yeah, I was like, I don't Old see school, it. Saturday night main event. Like, I don't see my favorite wrestler on here. Uh, <laughs> you know – 
<laughs> Rest in peace, uh, James Kamala Harris. Uh, it still weirds me out that they have the same name. Uh, although I don't you want think to get weirded out, James and hers. I went to the so same well, high school as uh, her. I went to the same high school as uh, Kamala Harris. That'll be that's weird. Crazy. Brief, I mean, yeah, briefly. I was asked to leave, but that's I another mean, story. It's She's a little not a older good than sign that the the star of the debate was the fly. Uh, you know, and the fly won the debate. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that shows you what a robot pen says. He didn't even feel it. Like, uh, I almost think that was a droid sent in from Trump going, hey, wake up, dude. Uh, but, uh, you know, after last week's debate, you know, last week's debate was like a kiss concert. Uh, this uh, debate tonight was like a kiss acoustic concert. Uh, just not as good. Yeah, you know what? And what what I what I what I'm amazed about. I've never seen a fly like not leave Earl. Like his head was sort of moving around, and like it wasn't leaving. Like was it hairspray that the well, fly was tucked to? Like you know what I'm saying? Like you want to keep it somewhat respectful. He's the vice president. I get it, but you know, like I said, I've never seen a fly land like that before, <laughs> and just stay. Well, I've never seen and like someone... he doesn't notice the fly just didn't move. Like I. I I actually saw it live, and I was like, what the hell is that? And then right away I saw online, oh, my God, there's a fly on his head. And I'm like, this fly is staying. It's not leaving, Earl. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I thought it was a fly on my TV, so I picked up one of my dog's balls. And, I mean, <laughs> my dog's a female. Her name's Lois. Uh, one of her play balls. <laughs> And I threw it at the TV, and it, it was a dead shot. I've got really good aim because of all the years of video games, and it didn't move. I'm like, oh, man, this is a tough fly. And then I went to wipe <laughs> it away, and I, I, it was like a Three Stooges sketch. I was wipe, wiping the TV. I'm like, my God, this fly's not leaving. And, uh, I, you know, when I have a fly on me, and I have thicker hair than Pence, I know it's on my head instantly, and I get not scared, but like I get get uh, jitterish. Uh, what am I, Shack? I don't even know if jitterish is a word. Uh, <laughs> he didn't even move an inch, so uh, <laughs> I know. you know he's probably, he's just trying to memorize the lines Trump told him to do. So I get it. He, I got to give the uh, listen. It, it's such a one-liner, so everyone's taking their crack at it. I, of course, just went with well. Yeah, I said somebody's got to test that fly for coronavirus right now. And it's like you know, it's like you felt you felt bad for the fly. It was like, you know, and Earl, it's like how are we going to contract uh, contact uh, trace all those uh, th those flies buddies? Like we're we're all like all yeah, those I mean, flies buddies. Like, I like and right now I'm dead serious. I'm sure cable news is like, where is that fly right now? Can we find that fly? Can we get a shot of the fly? Like, is the fly still in the hall right now? Like that's the most famous fly in the history of the world, Earl. Besides Jeff Goldblum, yeah, I mean, who's already uh, trending and about to cash in on this, bro. Didn't take him long. You know his agent's on the phone. Some, oh, Jeff, this is great. <laughs> I, I bet you some agent at ICM or William Morris has already got the fly cornered down in the lobby. And uh, it's probably got already 100,000 followers on TikTok. Even if, like, it's dead, you can preserve it. This is the fly from the debate. You know what I mean? Like, honestly... If you were in the hall and you just look down on the ground and you see a dead fly there, you pick that fly up, guys. Yeah, how much do you think you can get for that fly? The fly that landed on Mike Pence's head. 
I'm thinking, I, I, how much? I, mean, I, I want a quarter of a million for it. <laughs> you want the fly? I mean, uh, you want to see the fly, TMZ? Quarter of a million, half a million. <laughs> I mean, the scary thing is, people are out there right now thinking of this stuff. I mean, that's how wacky. They've already forgotten about Van Halen dying and going, we got to get that fly, get that fly. I don't care. Yeah, it's great. Eddie dying. He's a great guitar player. Get that fly, get that fly. This is what it's come to. Yeah, yeah. No policy discussion Indeed. after, like, no one discussed, well, you know what? I agree or disagree with this. It came down to the fly. The fly. I mean, and, and a, the best line I saw, though, all of the night was um, it was, it's a, it's a writer. I don't know. You probably know who it is since you're in Hollywood, actually. But um, they said uh, that fly is Mike Pence's only black friend. <laughs> the fly was on top Well, of you know, gave it. In the old days, I'd uh, let it rip on that one, but, uh, hey, you know, hey, hey, hey. I, I mean, it's I probably the it first. Spot, we'll move uh, on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably we'll best. I mean, like, you know, that, I mean, Gabe, in my defense, when I got in trouble that time for swearing, uh, I recall you uh, setting me up with a T-ball to go down that route. Yeah, so I know, I know. I'll so that's why say, I'm jumping uh, in now. That was my bad. Yeah, I'm coming out with a pitcher change. I'm coming out to take the ball from the pitcher now. All right, all right, hold on. Pitch, pitch, pitching change. Pitch, pitching change. All right, so let let's get into um, let's get into Eddie Van Halen uh, right now. So listen, Earl Earl's been living in Hollywood for a long time, and anyone that knows him or you know listens to his very popular podcast, Inappropriate Earl, uh, knows a lot of metal connections and. You know, that, that hard rock, uh, Hollywood, old school. Um, I, you know, I don't know if Rat's your favorite band, but I sort of assume they're they're right at the top, that sort of vein of music. So, And we all know, I mean, as good as Rat are, they're like, you know, there's no Rat if they have not Van Halen, right? It's just And, and as great as Warren DeMartini is, there's just different levels to this stuff, but... What's your take on it, and what's what's the feeling in uh, what's the feeling in Hollywood in the rock scene about uh, Eddie passing away? Uh, just overall sadness, you know. Every day I walk my dog uh, uh, by the corner of uh, uh, Santa Monica Boulevard and Crescent Heights, and that's where Van Halen got discovered. Uh, it was a club called the Starwood, and uh, now it's a Russian deli. But you, you can you can literally Simmons, feel the spirit of. Pardon? By Gene Simmons, right? Gene Simmons, the one that actually gave Van yeah, Halen yeah, the no, first uh, He uh, saw them, I think, around 76, and they did actually a demo uh, of uh, Christine 16. Of course, you can't play that song anymore uh, with uh, the oh. Van Halen brothers <laughs> on it. And uh, it, it's uh, you got to have to change it to Christine 35 and consent. Can you believe that, too? And, like, uh, when you look back on that, like, even talking about, like, schoolyards and stuff like that, saw you outside the school, the playground or whatever. It's like, it's like, bro, I don't think you can say that, man. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's that one verse there where he goes, uh, that day I saw you coming out of school. I got to have you. And it's like you're talking about a girl that's in high school, bro. Even for the 70s, that was like, oh, bro. Uh, yeah, but in time, nobody court, thought anything of it, Christine it up with, 16. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought well, about I know, that, well, too. That, yeah. Who writes a song? A, yeah, she's only 17. Yeah, she's on. They're all happy about it. She's only 17. <laughs> Hey, settle down, whip. Right, Daddy's little me. girl, old enough <laughs> yeah. to do ya. It's like, it's that was their only hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so, anyway, so uh, I mean, it's just, 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, but I mean, it's topical. They did uh, do the demo of the song, and uh, but he was so instrumental in changing the way an instrument was played. I mean, very few musicians in the history of uh, of music have changed the way an, an instrument was played. Like, you know, John Bonham changed the way drums were played. Uh, before him, no one really played like that. And with Eddie, like, every guitar player from, you know, Randy Rhodes to Jakey e. Lee to Warren D. Martini to George Lynch to Ingve Malmsteen to, you know, Slash and and even, Everyone. you know, Everyone. bands Steve like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, although they weren't... Um, you know, the same type of music as Van Halen. They were influenced. Look at, uh, go to any Weezer concert, as crazy as this sounds, and you can hear uh, absolutely that Rivers Cuomo was influenced by Van Halen in some capacity. Uh, in fact, their their new album coming out is called Van Weezer. It's like a tribute. So it's, <laughs> I don't, he might be the most influential musician of all time in terms of who he influenced after him. I like that. Van, Van Weezer. That's that's good. I like Weezer. Weezer actually a good band. No, you're right. Eddie Van Halen revolutionized. We'll hit this on the other side. He changed guitar, as we know. Jimi Hendrix, to me, was the guy. And Eddie just took it to a new level. Force Rage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage it up. Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Hey, hey, you, who said that? Wow. Might as well bet. Bet. Might as well bet. Bet. Don't they, yeah, we're re, uh, rewriting the song. Uh, might as well bet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, more Van oh, Halen, uh, please, a little bit later on. We like to play the whole riffs and stuff, but uh, copyright issues. Copyright issues. So, Big Earl Skakel kicking it with us right now. Comedian from uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, so Earl, we're talking about like, uh, the influence, and I brought up, I said Jimi Hendrix as we were going to um, to the break, and like I said, think about it, bro. It's like Woodstock era, and and you know Joan Baez and flowers and acoustic guitars, and you got this this brother comes out and starts burning the stage on fire, sets his guitar on fire, um, is on like sixteen hits of acid, it's got a Marshall stack, he changed the game. Like, there's Jimi Hendrix and then sort of, and like everyone else. And that includes Eddie Van Halen. You know, because Jimmy was the one that like created that sound, you know, the the heaviness. But Eddie Van Halen, like to me, number two, like, and without, Eddie is that, that hard rock, American classic, party rock, metal, shredding guitarist. You know, we go down the, the list, but, um, you know, as great as he is, and I just punched in right now. Uh, metal uh, guitar world, guitar world uh, magazine, which you know one of the staples, uh, obviously, one of the staples of um, uh, of guitar playing, and you know I'm looking at you know greatest guitarist of all time and all that, 
And, you know, Eddie's right there, but who are your favorites? You got Eddie Van Halen. Well, one of my guys, the guy, and you know what? I don't know. You, I always see you with Stephen Piercy, and I know your buddies with Stephen Piercy. I don't know how well you know Demartini, but I like to get Demartini on the show. I, I've been watching some of his interviews, and um, interesting dude. Great, great, uh, great guitarist. He really is one of my favorites. Uh, I love the guy. You know who's great, and people don't talk about him, is um, Wolf Hoffman. He's from the band Accept, the guitarist of Accept, Earl, the lead guitarist of Accept. That guy is smoking good, like that. If you like that sort of style of metal and stuff, but uh, who are your guys? Who's who's your top five, Earl? Well, I mean, there's so many. Uh, I mean, it's hard. Uh, here's here are my top five, but I'm going to cheat and give you some honorable mentions. Uh, uh, and this is in no particular order because I don't think you'd say this guy's better than that guy. Uh, I love Steve Stevens, Billy Idol. Um, I actually like a lot of the things he did outside of Billy Idol, which a lot of people don't know about. He put out a, a flamenco album, which is definitely not my style of music uh, for my ears to listen to at night, but it's amazing. Um, I think uh, Warren D. Martini, obviously, and, and you could tell the, the Van Halen influences that uh, he had in his playing. And uh, the rhythm guitar player in Rat, uh, I thought, was the perfect complement to Demartini. And that's, uh, of course, the departed uh, Robin Crosby. Uh, uh, Jakey e. Lee is one of my favorites. Uh, you, you know, he, he kind of got the shaft in Ozzy. And, and then he had a band called Badlands that was uh, amazing, almost bluesy, uh, southern metal, I guess you'd call it. Um, let me see. Steve Vai, obviously, is probably the closest to Van Halen in terms of style. Uh, I mean, and this is a controversial, and so that's like my five, but like, if you say, hey, you can name a few others. Uh, this is a controversial one because he's maybe known more for his hair and pink guitars, but uh, C.C. DeVille uh, was a classically trained player. But he was making no money playing Bach and Beethoven stuff, so uh, you know I can certainly understand why he sold out. And uh, Bruce Kulick in Kiss uh, is a guy you never hear talked about, just because he he's kind of you know he's not the most exciting interview, but he's one of the more well-rounded players from the '80s because he can play in Kiss, play the '80s stuff, and then he could join a band like Grand Funk Railroad and and fit in just as nicely. So. Uh, and there's so many uh, more, you know, Carrie King from Slayer. It's, it's a little too heavy for my taste. Uh, Dimebag Daryl. Uh, I mean, there's like Slash. I mean, we could we could go on for two hours. Yeah, Dimebag Daryl gets a lot of love. I'm looking at lists right now. I'm surprised as high as he is. A name that keeps coming up on these lists. And I got to be honest. I've looked at Guitar World. I'm looking at Loudwire right now. You know, a lot of sort of, you know music sources and none of them have Eddie Van Halen as number one, which is surprising to me. It really is. You know, like that, that, you know, and that not even a consensus, it pops up often. Jimi Hendrix is sort of the one that keeps on coming up the most as number one. Cause like I said, there, Jimi Hendrix is, is the most influential guy, you know, just the timing. There's one thing, you know, you can look back on his playing, but he invented that sound. Like people didn't do that then, right? So it sort of changes the game. Uh, Jimmy Page getting a lot of love at the top of the list. And Tony Iommi, 
I got Tony Iommi is actually the number one rate ranked uh, voted guitarist uh, for Guitar World magazine. And like I said, Guitar World magazine, that's like it's all guitar geeks. Uh, I used to I used to be subscribed to it. like um, it's all guitar geeks. So Tony Iommi, uh, metal guitarist of all time, we should know because, you know, it's diff- different gene genres and stuff. But Tony Iommi, Iommi was great. Iommi created heavy metal. Like, you know what I mean? But like Van, like I said earlier in the week, Black Sabbath was kind of dark, right? Dong, dang, dong. Like, and everything was sort of, you know, that British stuff. They're always singing about wizards and castles, Earl, in the forest. You know what I mean? Like, everything's like, ooh, it's dark and spooky and stuff. And it was great. I mean, I love that metal, what it created. Like, heavy, really heavy metal now is really just all an offshoot of Black Sabbath. But Van Halen came in with, it was like, Let's party. It was more, you know, just that different sound that just so revolutionary. But I've been telling people this, bro. As great as Eddie Van Halen was, it's all of them together that made it. Like Alex's drum sound, the style, Michael Anthony's backup vocals, and then, of course, David Lee Roth, who's not a good vocalist per se, but his voice was just perfect with Eddie's guitar sound that just made them the perfect band. And by the way, when I saw Van Halen in 2012 at uh, Staples Center, uh, with a very bizarre opening act of Cool and the Gang, uh, and I've never seen an opening act go over. It was amazing. Apparently the story was David Lee Roth wanted them to be the openers. No one else in Van Halen did. And they were like, okay, you want them, you pay for them. And he paid for them to be their openers. And uh, (laughs) you could still hear Michael Anthony's vocals. Uh, interesting uh, when Wolfie was in the band. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on there. But yeah, they were the, you know, it's like Kiss, uh, you know, not the best band from an individual skill set, but those original four guys together, it just worked. Uh, And they hate each other. And I find most good bands do after a while. Uh, But you're right. I mean, it was, you know, David Lee Roth is not a good uh, singer. Technically, he he almost talks the songs, Uh, but the look, the machismo, the assless chaps, the skin tight leather is like that guy's. Well, it's the uh, same thing with your boy, like, Stephen Piercy. Stephen Piercy's not like the, you know, Rob Halford was a vocal, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, that, oh, and that, that stuff. Stephen Piercy just <laughs> has a, a cool voice. You know what I mean? When he talks, when he sings, it's just perfect over that music. Like you said, like you don't have to be. I watched an Ace Freely stuff last night. It was uh, I watched an interview with Ace Freely, and then uh, it was hilarious. Actually, you want comedy guys? It was gold, and um, it was a recent interview with him about why like he's not on tour with Kiss, and he plays like the big victim, and he goes, "Well, you know," he goes, "There was kind of hard feelings when I quit on him the second time mid tour." It's like, yeah, no kidding, Ace. There was hard feelings. <laughs> and he brings up, he brings up, and he goes, "And you know." My ex-girlfriend accused Gene of uh, sexual assault, but it wasn't true. He goes, other than that, though, we don't have any problems. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, Ace, it's kind of a lot of problems, Ace. Like, like no wonder they don't want to. Like, other than that, he's like, well, well you know, him. I don't need them anyways. It's like, well, Ace, I love you. And I love Ace, and even I think Gene's a big jerk. And I watched the video, and I was like, yeah, Ace, uh, I'm not surprised they're not calling you on the tour here. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> 
Well, they don't need him. Like, to be honest with you, like uh, Tommy Thayer, who is, uh, I guess you'd call him the fake A's, you know, they sell out arenas with him, and I I don't know what his financial agreement is, but I'll assume it's a lot lesser than Ace's. And he plays probably in 2020 at this point better than Ace. Uh, You know, who do you think Gene's going to pick? The cheaper alternative. The problem is, Ace really will. And I love Ace, but the thing is, Ace, you don't know what he's going to do. You know, I mean, I saw, I remember the Kiss reunion tour, like, the, you know, whatever. They've had a million of these things. But the first, you know, one was like, oh, crap, they really are coming together again. And, you know, they, they basically, they put it in writing. There was a contract, guys. Like, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons don't do drugs. And, you know, Paul Stanley might drink, like, wine and stuff. You know what I mean? Paul, Gene Simmons ultra straight. But and, and they they knew that Peter Chris and Ace Freely were crazy in the seventies, but they're businessmen now. So when they did that reunion tour, they actually put mo- a monetary fine, guys, like a sport fund contract almost. And they told Ace, "Listen, if you're wasted, you're making less money. Like you're gonna get fined, type thing." And they tried to like monetize it to keep him sober. And I don't know if you remember, like, like he was wrecked. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying, he just didn't care, and. You know, they pissed them off. It was the same thing with David Lee Roth and Van Halen. I have a funny story about, like, they did a reunion, and they were straight, and they asked. They said, listen, you know, we've all had problems and stuff, and they told, they warned David Lee Roth, like, it's not like the 80s, bro. It's not the 70s. It's a business. Like, please. And I don't know, bro. Like, the story was David Lee Roth rolled in in roller skates with two girls on his arms and stuff, like. For day one, <laughs> well, I mean, and they were like, "All right, you're done. You don't, you just don't get it. You don't, you don't get it. Like, and you're out. You know what I mean? They don't play around. Megadeth told a story about how well, they can't. went on. I think they got, like, remember they got, ticked, they got kicked off a tour of Van Halen. I think no, it was Aerosmith. Yeah, it was Aerosmith. Aerosmith were sober, and they told Megadeth, you know, on tour with them. They said you could open for us, but they said we, you can't do drugs or drink backstage. And they we're not telling you what to do in your own personal life, but we can't have this in front of us. They're, you know, they're all cokeheads in Aerosmith. They can't have bands that are partying backstage. Megadeth partied backstage. Aerosmith kicked them off the tour like the first night right away. I've heard other stories. My buddies have been oh, yeah, I mean, think... kicked off a tour because of that, too. Judas Priest, they got warned and was my buddy. Of course, my friend had to get them kicked off the Judas Priest tour, but... They got warned or backstage, man, to chill out. My buddy didn't chill out. He kept bringing girls back and stuff and acting like he was Rob Halford backstage and like he was he was just an opening act. He got kicked off the tour, man. It's a business, this stuff. Well, especially now with, uh, you know, things like TMZ and, uh, you know, the advancements of, uh, you know, Twitter and Instagram videos and, you know, you just can't act like you did in the seventies. You know, if you were David Lee Roth and you wanted to have a little three, you wanted to have a threesome with two <laughs> in the seventies, be no problem. Uh, but now there's probably video in every room. Uh, so uh, yeah, these guys got to learn. It's 2020, man. It ain't 83 backstage at the forum. Earl Skakel uh, with us. Uh, follow him on uh, Twitter. Uh, Inappropriate Earl, the podcast. Uh, check it out. Always a pleasure, Earl. Thanks for stepping up and in. Dave, I know we got to go. I love you. You've been supporting me from day one. Thank you very much for the love and support, Gabe. You deserve everything you're getting.
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. You're listening to Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Portrait late night. Thanks to Earl Skakel for kicking it uh, with us. Ian Cameron. And, of course, the raging redhead Cam Stewart. Man, this week is just uh, flying by. Tomorrow night we've got uh, Thursday night uh, football. We've got a college football game as well. No no official picks uh, right now. Uh, tune in to Game Time Decisions tomorrow at 6 o'clock Eastern on uh, many of these radio stations, and uh, we'll break these games down. We'll really uh, start to dig in. The NBA Finals is back on Friday. Uh, Lakers are b- busting out the uh, the Kobe jerseys, the Black Mamba jerseys. For the record, they're 4-0 and uh, this year in the postseason uh, when wearing those uh, jerseys. And I saw a tweet about, uh, what would Skip Bayless say? And I don't, I don't like bringing up what other talk show hosts are talking about too much because I don't care. And I don't watch Skip Bayless's show. I really don't. I'm not even sure what network he's on. Is it FS1? I think it is FS1. I don't know what time. Like, I don't know. I I don't know. And I'm sure there's people out there that hate Skip Bayless more than I do. Because I I don't really hate him, but, you know, it's just (laughs) this stuff. They're like wrestlers. Wrestlers have more integrity, actually. It's like, let me just say something stupid. Let me just say something stupid. And, you know, since people are talking about me, I'm doing my job. And evidently, since he's making money, uh, since since uh, he's making money, it's true. But he talked about how if LeBron wins this title, it actually hurts his legacy. Like I, I, I don't even know where to start, guys, like I said. Like, this, this is the dumbness of 2020. Like, can somebody please, like, delete this, like, you know? Like, how long is it? Like, why is there so many just bad people? in our lives at their jobs. Like Skip Bayless sucks. All right. Matt Patricia sucks. And Bill O'Brien sucked. Well, we didn't get a chance to get to Bill O'Brien. Turns out Bill, all it took for Bill, for the Texans to fire Bill O'Brien was for him to upset JJ Watt. Yeah. You could trade away DeAndre Hopkins. You could be the one of the worst coaches in the NFL for the last nine years or whatever the hell it is, but we're not going to fire you. You pissed JJ Watt off. Oh, you, you're gone. We're gone, too. Other than that, you're on your own. Later.